Well, hi, everybody. My name is Mark Boyle. I am the Prepper Guy, and I wanted to talk to you a little bit about how I hurt my back. How much fun is that? So this weekend, I was uh, working outside on our new project, the house build, and uh, just stepping from the floor, basically, across onto a large stack of OSB siding with moisture barrier, or not moisture barrier, a, a thermal barrier, which is all shiny and cool looking, like aluminum foils glued to it. And all of a sudden, my back just said, uh, fuck you, we're done. And I felt it really get sore really quick. And so I laid down on the, the siding, which was hot, but it felt really, really good, <laughs> considering, you know, all things uh, wasn't too bad, you know, laying, laying on something warm. And so uh, that was all messed up. Now, I didn't rupture or herniate a disc. I just pissed it off really bad because a rupture is when the Basically, the, the disc itself gets so much pressure on it that it squirts out, kind of like squeezing a, a water balloon. Everything goes to one side or the other. And when that pops, then you have water all over. Well, when you rupture a disc, all the, the crab meat comes out, which my physical therapy uh, guy used to tell me. It looks like crab meat, so he just calls it crab meat. And so, and it didn't herniate, which is similar to the rupture. It all protrudes out on one side or the other, but it doesn't rupture. So it just comes in contact with a lot of very sensitive nerve endings that go into overdrive telling you, whoa, dude. So I don't think either one of those happened because uh, that happened yesterday around 3 o'clock. And today I'm up and about. It's still tender as hell. But uh, I don't think it ruptured anything. It just the, the muscles are extremely fatigued and got totally pissed and basically said, hey, fuck you. Um, we're done with this shit. Um, yep. So... That's what ended up happening. Um, I spent some time uh, on my back yesterday, just laying flat out on my back, uh, watching, trying to watch TV and trying to get comfortable. And then uh, laying on my stomach. And, and, and my physical therapist used to use a manipulation um, that was called, um, I guess you would pronounce it Cyrex. I'm looking on my computer here to find this guy's name. C-Y-R-I-A-X, Cyrix Manipulation. And uh, it's been used since around the 1900s for sports medicine and stuff. So um, after reading a lot of uh, the information on it, it doesn't really require manipulation since nothing herniated. Because um, normally my therapist would manipulate it in a way to where it would, uh, you know, pull enough retraction to release the pressure from the 
two discs and then the or from the two vertebrae you know pulling them apart and then the the disc itself could relax and go back into shape kind of like when you squeeze that water balloon and then you let off of it it retains its normal spacing and size and all that but i don't think that was necessary after reading a lot of it it's a very passive kind of manipulation and therapy so since i didn't need manipulation i saved that money um but a lot of a lot of my friends always say well i got lower back problems and i and i tell them about these exercises my physical therapist in sedona used to tell me he's like you know if you lay flat on your belly and then you kind of arch up pushing off with your hands not too high so you're kind of doing like a probably some yoga maneuver but your head is supported by your arms pushing up and that helps i think stretch the the muscles on the on the back side underneath your back muscles and back um, disc and vertebrae that you know are obviously uh, pissed off and then uh if you do leg lifts you know maybe hold one leg up while you're still laying on your belly hold one leg up count to five hold the other leg up count to five and you do that maybe for five reps and you do that four or five times a day it strengthens the muscles that are on top of your spinal column and your your backbone and all that all those muscles that lay over it that you can see you know on the top side when you flex or have a t-shirt on those are the muscles that you want to strengthen because over time they get weak from bending over all the time and they get stretched and we don't exercise those that often so then they get weak and then you you move wrong and something gets pissed off and that's what happened to me um so i've been doing those exercises and and quite literally feel a lot better today than yesterday i was able to roll out of my bed more gracefully than i got in last last night so um for those that have back issues and back problems i would recommend highly um talking to a sports therapist sports muscle and sports injury therapist and they've probably heard of the Cyrex manipulation like i said it's old but it's still in use and and i think the the man's name was Kelgrim K E L L G R E N Cyrex or the other way around um the two pages i have pulled up aren't very uh conclusive on first name last name but very good very non invasive type of therapy and and manipulation and it works extremely well cuz his theory was well when joints and muscles and bones are out of alignment is when you get these problems and so he just felt that once we get you back in alignment you're done no reason to go to a chiropractor for 2 weeks um having him take all your money while your back is correcting itself which it will do after a couple weeks anyway if you lay around flat on your back or on your stomach cuz that's what it does now if you've 
ruptured something, then then you're talking surgery. But a good therapist would know that through an x-ray or something. I was able to tell just because I've had this happen to me three times before in my life. Once when I was in my 30s. So it's not an old age thing. It's just a lack of muscle exercise for those muscles that keep you your posture and keep you straight up. <clears throat> so I'm not in my cushy office chair anymore. It's sitting back there behind me. And I'm in a wooden... Um, school library kind of chair that keeps me a little more straight up and I can't slouch and it's easier to get up out of because it's not as cushioned. So look into that if you have lower back pain. I mean, this he's used it. Uh, the second time it happened in my life was around uh, in the, the late 90s and I had hurt my thoracic muscles and joints up there in the T3 or something like that. And no, actually, it was in the 80s also, and uh, I messed it up. I went to a, I had to find a therapist in California, Southern California, to, to do the manipulation. I was back to work a couple of days later. And then uh, in the 90s, I had heard it pretty bad. And I called my doctor, and he is, that I still knew in Sedona, my therapist, that uh, is miles away from where I am. And he said, just do those exercises. You'll be fine. If you haven't herniated nothing, then you'll notice quite quick relief because if you herniate something, then there's always pressure on that nerves from it herniating out and touching those nerves. He goes, then you might want to get a manipulation. But he goes, if it's not, then just you just need to recover those muscles that are so pissed off at you. And doing those exercises help. And so, and then this time. So, like I said, it's not an age thing. It's just a lack of maintenance kind of thing. And doing those exercises, which I should be doing, you know, three or four times a week. But I'm a dumbass and I don't. So, my dog has found something to bark at. So, I'm trying uh, using the, the camera on my phone for this uh, podcast and video with the headphones on to see how that sounds. It seems like the, uh, the, the cell phone has really good camera and a really good um, audio recording feature. So I'm going to try that out and, and see how it works out and see the, the sound quality using the, the Sennheisers. I don't know, where's my logo? Sennheisers, these things kick ass. They're actually a gaming headset, but they're made by Sennheiser. Uh, it's a Game One outfit. I, I think I've posted that before. Um, check them out if you like uh, really comfortable headphones and really good audio. I put this, um, they call it a dead cat, furry thing around it just so it doesn't pick up as much uh, wind and air noise coming out of my mouth breather persona. So that was uh, my my yesterday screwing up my project because I didn't get the rest of the siding on, which is what we were working on. And then my today. So I just thought that since all I can do is set straight up and down and can't do shit, I would make a video and tell you guys that, you know, it really is worth learning um, things. You know, you're perfectly capable of looking up um, 
Cyrex and the, the type of manipulation, and I, and it's helped me so many times. I know so many people that deal with uh, back pain, and they just need to learn those exercises and get good therapy. Okay, well, I also wanted to talk a little bit about um, religion, because I don't talk a lot about religion. It's very personal to people. And they all have their issues with it. Um, last night, while I was laying on the floor incapacitated with pain, um, I listened to Mark Levin's Life, Liberty, and Levin. And his guest was uh, Pastor Hagee, very interesting guy. And it made me start thinking, it's like, uh, where did these people pastors, rabbis, all them, kind of get their I'm right, you're wrong attitude. And I, I guess it comes from whatever scriptures they read, whether it's the Torah or the Quran or Dead Sea Scrolls or uh, some of the writings that they call now the Bible and the, you know all the books that they've compiled. <clears throat> which were all written by old dudes thousands of years ago. <clears throat> well, how do I know that what these people wrote down was actually factual and not just hearsay? You know, they might have thought these things were said in this context, but I don't know. It's still hearsay. Even with the Book of Mormon, It's uh, it really is just, an accounting, a diary of what was going on, those people, and what someone wrote down. I'm not arguing that somebody didn't write it all down. But the more you study religion, the more you see that there are a lot of them. And they all differ from one point of view to another, what is and what is not acceptable. And... And that's fine. You know, most people are happy with that. You know, give me a, a guideline and I'll follow it. I'm done. Do this, 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 check, check, check. Okay, I'm going to heaven. And and maybe it is that easy. But the, the problem is that the, the, the checklist has now been interpreted by someone, you know, a couple thousand years ago and then King James or whatever, you know, the new new and revised version. And then there's, you know, as we move forward into time, there's a, a lot of debate on what these in, what these writings meant, and that becomes interpretations. So Hagee has his interpretation. The, the Jewish religion have their interpretation. The Mormons have their interpretation. The the Muslims have their interpretation. You have Jehovah Witness that feel a certain way. You have the Lutheran that have theirs. And so you can see that it's not that simple. You know, you would think you'd, you know, you read a paragraph and everybody should understand it the same way. And yet it has different connotations and meanings depending on who is interpreting it and their frame of reference about what they feel 
Jesus might have wanted them to think, what the prophets might have been really trying to say, because, you know, they were talking in abstracts, you know, thousands of years ago, a chariot of fire might have meant a jet airplane or could have meant a dragon. I don't know. So we look at these things and they become our guiding principles of life. And and I've always been fascinated with the fact that my little 80, 90, 100-year existence on Earth will be the underlying outcome of my eternity, which never seemed to be quite right. And it doesn't square with the fact that we have a an eternal father or watcher or gatekeeper that understands the concept of eternity. So, you know, the best definition of eternity I've ever heard was if you had a, a square cube, thousand miles by a thousand miles by a thousand miles made up of granite, and it's just sitting out there in the middle of nowhere. So it's a monolith. It's huge. And every thousand years, a sparrow comes and sharpens his beak on that stone. When the stone has worn down to nothing, that could be considered that could be considered a day of eternity. It's abstract, of course, but you know, we are talking about eternity. There really is no end to endlessness. So that's a good reference. I think a lot of the Bible scholars have said, you know, throughout history that a thousand years is similar to a day for God. And it mathematically kind of seems to make some sense because you had Adam and Eve and then they left the Garden of Eden. And it was 2,000 years from the time they left the Garden to Noah. And then from Noah to Jesus Christ was 2,000 years. And then from Christ's birth or crucifixion, it's been 2,000 years to today. So that would put a smack dab in the middle of Saturday night. So here we are. So here we are living Saturday night. Is it um, 10 o'clock in the evening or five minutes to midnight? Or when does it turn Sunday again? Ah, we don't know. And these are the mysteries that everybody thinks are always so perplexing, and that's why we need to study. But no matter how much you study, nobody's come up with a definitive answer that, yes, 2,000 years is a day. And then, even if they do, they don't know for a fact that when Adam and Eve actually left the Garden of Eden, that it was actually 2,000 years to Noah. That's kind of speculation. We know that it's been 2,000 years almost or more from the crucifixion because we mark time that way, you know, B.C., A.D., so we're 2019, so we're 19 years into Saturday night. But was that the 30-year window from the time he was born until the time he was crucified? Was it when he started his ministry? Is it 
the moment he died on earth and then, or was it from the three days after when he was resurrected? So we have a kind of a disconnect on the actual um, synchronization of the watches, so to speak. So we don't, we don't know, you know, when and stuff. So if it's, if it's so easy to be religious, why is it so complicated to understand the concepts of religion? I, I find it fascinating. I take the easy man's out and, and just look at it as, you know, God said, love me and don't be a dick. Some kind of sort of, you know, love thy neighbor as you would have thy neighbor love you, the golden rule, however you want to look at it. Those were the basic two commandments. It's like, you know, respect the fact that I've given you life here on earth and don't be a dick. That's how I sum it up. And, you know, the more you study on religion, you find out that's that's pretty true. Now, you know, a lot of the religions, you know, talk about a war in heaven and that was over free agency and the ability to choose. And Satan was like, I'll just make them do the right thing and glory be mine. And that was rejected. And so we had a war in heaven over that principle, which never made sense either. A war in heaven, whatever. Maybe it was a big heated debate. Um, and so to me, it, it had to do with freedom of choice, you know, and, and making your own decisions, your own covenants, your own promises, your own word, your own morality, your own integrity, and, and honoring that. Because that's what Jesus said, let them screw up and I will come down and atone for them. So we can take that, maybe with a grain of salt also. It seems like most religions, even going back two, three, four thousand years, had the similar belief structure that, you know, there was a God. Many of them in some cultures, but there was some kind of rattling around in the human psyche that said, there's something bigger than us. We don't really know if that just came out of necessity for answers to problems that were confronting people, or there was actually a small, still voice in them that said, there's something out there. Wait a tick. We don't know. So all we can do is use reason and go, I've seen enough people, you know, in movies and CSI and doctor shows and reality TV that, you know, when people die, and then are revived after minutes sometimes they talk about a light and a good warm fuzzy feeling and and there was actually somewhere that they were going to go but then they didn't for whatever reason there's a lot of stories and they all have different reasons why they came back you know maybe having your heart shocked with 20,000 volts or whatever it is <laughs> woke them up but uh so we can assume there may be something there. There's no concrete assumptions that we can make because everyone's dying to find out, but no one's uh, living to talk about it. So I like going on the premise that there is something out there. God could be a he or a she, could be Gaia, could be what the Muslims say or the Jews say or 
Pastor Hagee says, don't really know. I'm not willing to kill anyone over it because I don't really know. And because I believe in not being a dick, um, why would I kill somebody because they believe something different? Not my place. I don't want to be judged for that. Some religions are quite happy being judged over being assholes, killing people, beheading people, the Crusades. Now, you know, you can go on and on with the Crusades. You know, maybe it was more of a, a reaction to some of the stuff that the Muslims were doing. And, you know, they started out being really nice and peaceful and getting along with everybody. And Babylon was a great place where people all kind of lived together, different religions. But then it kind of went south. So I don't know. You know, but everybody has their interpretation of this thing called the word. And people die over it. And people pray to it. People live their whole lives according to what they've bought and believe in. And it's not a bad thing. It makes most people a better person. But there's a lot of us out there that are agnostic in a way not atheists, but just agnostic to say, well, you know, I don't know. But I have enough knowledge and common sense to say that I think there's something out there based on these near-death experiences and the way things have gone down and, and just some of the, the feeling that I have, you know, near-death, not that severe, but, you know, just intuitions, hunches, feelings. And so I'm going to say, yeah, there's something out there. I don't know what it is. I don't understand it. But I'm going to try not to be a dick. I'm going to take everything I've learned over the centuries through all the books and stuff and teachings and say, there's some common threads here. And most of them go back to, you know, love God because he created you and don't be a dick. I'm oversimplifying that, but that's how I would write it. So, I don't talk about religion a lot, other than that we need to keep our Overton window in the right place, and that's based on our values and our principles and our beliefs that keeps us looking in the right direction. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a break here because my camera keeps overcharging or running out of memory and I will be right back all right so part of these videos have been recorded on my uh, my phone and then these last two sections will be on the PC and I want to just compare and see how it sounds So all in all, when we look at religious constructs and principles and beliefs, and the way they seem to definitely um, dominate our lives, and churches are a big business, which I find humorous, because I don't remember Jesus, who was the founder of Christianity, I don't remember him building a church, recommending building a church, designing or saying, when I die, build the church this way. I, I don't remember that um, being said or happening at all. 
um, which, you know, you would think if it was that important, he would have done it. Um, he didn't raise money for missionary programs and um, lunch programs, and meals on wheels programs, and feed the hungry programs. I mean, he expected us to do those things, to take care of people, because he said so. So he said a lot of things, but he never said, build me a church. Um, Satan had said that a lot because, you know, in the war in heaven, you know, he said, I will make them do the right thing and the glory be unto me. So he would be the guy that would say, hey, I want a really cool church. I want all this neat stuff. So I'm confused as a, as a thinker. I've never said that I'm atheist, that I don't believe in God or Jesus. I just don't know. And neither do a lot of these people that want to go out and murder people in the name of their their God. And, and I think it probably upsets God quite a bit. Now, we don't know when he's going to call this experiment um, over. You know, call it, be done with it. Don't even know if that's part of his plan. I mean, you know, yeah, there's a lot of scriptures that say that was part of his plan, um, that there would be a second coming. Okay, cool. Like I said, we don't know when that'll be because there's no tracking of time accurately. And we don't really know. I mean, you can get that information from a lot of scriptures, but we, once again, don't know who wrote those. I mean, they say they were written by Paul and, you know, all this stuff, but I, I don't know. I'm not 2,000 years old. I don't know. I do know that I want to be a good person. That's why I talk ad nauseum about, you know, having your values, your moral compass screwed on and calibrated correctly. Knowing who you are as a person when you enter into a situation a negotiation, a position. And it always has to fall back on who you are. And that that moral compass needs to be kept calibrated. And, and it's important. Now, you know, the last part of this podcast, I'm going to try not to, you know, just tie it all together because I'm not that fucking smart. But uh, reading the third book, uh, in the series called the, the Commune by Joshua Gayu, and it's on Audible. Maybe I'll put a link in there if I don't forget, but I'm a dumbass, so I probably will forget. But it's uh, The Commune, Josh Gayu. I had listened to the first two books years ago or so, and then this one came out just recently, I think back in June of 2019. And so I got that. And then I listened to the first two again, just to get it back up to speed and be, you know, watching it in my head because it's an audio book, um, you know, in its entirety. And we do that with series, you know, we'll binge watch a bunch of series. And then when the next season comes out, sometimes we might watch the last couple series seasons just to kind of catch up like blacklist and, and things like that. I like that. That one's my favorite, or one of my favorites. So I listened to the first two, and it's really, really well done. 
And he kind of writes it from the perspective of the people within the group at the commune and their story, how they all kind of hooked up and become the commune. And each character tells their story off and on throughout it. And uh, each character is very vivid and colorful. I like it. Well, in this last book, now all of a sudden there's a new guy. Um, call him Otter, because he's one of the last remaining Navy SEALs on Earth. Because there was a flash, you know, they call it the flash, which was probably a solar EMP that destroyed everything on the world. And then there was a plague that destroyed 99% of the remaining living people on the planet. And so there's just these groups. So he is, the Otter is the last Navy SEAL. And he was running a FEMA kind of relocation camp where, you know, uh, where they were bringing the sick and and those that survived are about 150. And he feels it's his obligation to take care of them. Very noble. And so they finally uh, leave where they're at and they decide to go to this commune because they rescue one of uh, some of the people in a big freeway gunfight. And, uh, and they put this one guy, Wang, back together and he's telling them about it. So they decide, let's go chat with them. Well, the, you know, the first meeting does not go that well because you had these, you know, two opposing agendas by two very strong alpha males. And Otter says, well, we're going to come here, recharge our batteries, and then take your people with us, and we're going to move on and see if we can find more people. Well, um, the main guy um, doesn't feel that that's appropriate. And he tells him no, and, you know, basically he tells him, fuck no. It's the words of the book, you know. And, and so they are at loggerheads, basically, like two mountain goats just crashing into each other and they cannot think outside the book or the box. And I'm hoping that Otter doesn't become the dick that causes all the problems. Now, I haven't finished it, so I can't um, even say spoiler alert because I have no idea. But what I can say is that, uh, you know, when I watched The Rock, with uh, Nicolas Cage, Sean Connery, and Ed Harris. Ed Harris is a good soldier. He has an ax to grind because the government has turned their back on his brothers. And he hatches this big plan. If you've seen it, great. If you haven't, go watch it. And somehow at the end, you know, the guy that's stupid and didn't think things out was the military guy. And who ends up saving the day? Well, of course, Big Brother, you know, the federal government who fucked over all the soldiers and deserved to get their ass handed to them. But the way in which, you know, Ed Harris goes about doing it, it kind of goes south because the writer allowed it to go south. Now, I'm not saying that there's not good people that haven't gone south and done stupid ass yet, because they have. But I, I never like it when out of all of the movies and the books and everything that are out there, why is it always 
government saves the day. And, and the good person was just a little whack. I don't like that because good people are usually good people. So Otter so far seems to be a really good guy, but he's a little bullheaded and he's trying to accomplish this mission in the wrong way. He's borderline becoming tyrannical in his statements. Well, you're just being absorbed by us like the Borg and we're moving on. And uh, Jake, the, the main character, is like, no, we're not. And if you try to force that on us, then we will fight back. We will lose because you have more guys and more military equipment and hardware. And when we die, you will have murdered us. And I think that line will stick with Otter because he doesn't want to violate and shit all over his oath. But I think he's kind of stuck. And Jake could have presented his position a little better, but it is a book. I'm just hoping that Otter does not end up being the jackass in this, you know, in this book. And I, I usually don't do reviews, and but lately I've just read and listened to some really good ones, and I thought, you know, the commune was really, really good. I have a couple new ones I haven't listened to yet until I get to the end of commune. But I just wanted to point that out. It never ceases to amaze me that even writers in the patriotic, you know, genre always seem to to cast the the military as these guys that will follow martial law, which is being dictated by the president of the United States, which in turn makes it a military coup. And they always take the the soldiers that should have honor and understand their oath and allows them to go this direction in, in the book instead of the proper direction, which I think many soldiers would do. I think they would question military or martial law and they'd go, I don't think this is right, not going to do it. We're going to reject that order. It cannot come from the president. If it's that bad, we can step in and throw out all of the leaders and then we'll have new elections when we get back on our feet. But you don't just allow anyone in power, whether it's the president or a senator or Homeland Security, issue orders of martial law and not call that just a military coup. So the books always do that. And even the ones that I really enjoy reading, even though the second book or maybe it was the second that overlapped into the third book about, you know, One Second After by William Forston. And I don't remember the other two. The first one was called One Second After. The other ones had different names, but it was in that series, One Second After. And, and even that series, the one general at first is very hardcore set on martial law. It's like, this is orders from the president. I have to follow it. Like, really, please? Could you fucking use your head besides something of a hat rack and, a, and an order-following machine that we, the people, paid for your training and outstanding um, skills and mindset? Could you 
just look at this and go, you can't do that. You're, you're, you're now becoming a tyrant, Mr. President, and now we are going to impose martial law and arrest you. And then we're going to sort this out the constitutional way. That would be okay. But martial law on a federal scale is really not correct. So once again, you know, Josh Gayu, I hope he really pulls this together nicely because it has a few more avenues it could go that would be just fucking awesome. Or he can turn it in just to another, I got uncreative and I just said, fuck it. So this is what happened. There, I'm done. Book three, check. But uh, in the the foreword of the book, he says this is the book he always wanted to write. So hopefully he's got it, um, his, his patriotic moral cap on and heading in the right direction. So this hasn't been the most long or complex podcast that I've ever done. Not saying that I'm smart enough to even fucking be complex, but the last one, you know, was I was just frustrated. And, and when I look at the, the path that we are on as Americans, it's just, it's, it's fucked up. So I wanted to come out of that a little bit and say, you know, I do think about religion. I do think about health, my health and my listeners' health. And I do listen to a lot of books. And <clears throat> regardless of which direction America ends up going, there's still a lot of good and there's a lot to hope for. But it's definitely going to take a lot of people learning the way before it's too late. And and that's where I get disheartened and saddened because I don't see that happening. But I don't know everyone on the planet, so how can I say? But uh, we as the American electorate must start learning things and not just taking the talking points from the media at face value. There's a whole nother world of reality under there, of constitution and the way it works and the way it operates that we all must learn and follow. So if you get a moment, um, uh, hit like on this video. Um, it's also going to be a podcast on uh, prepperguy.podbeam.com or you can just go to prepperguy.com. Uh, leave me some comments if you uh, have any input you'd like to share. Remember to, you know, hit that bell, get notified, and, and subscribe. I appreciate it. I, I like knowing that people listen because that tells me I'm not totally batshit crazy. So remember to do that. I appreciate it. I appreciate all my listeners for all these years. I think it's just totally awesome. And... uh I'm slowly getting over the fact that I look like hammered shit because I'm turning 65 this year and starting to put out a few more videos. And uh, so we'll be talking, you know, a little bit more on nutrition and stuff like that also. So don't give up. I just went through politics. Now we got a little religion and then we'll jump back into nutrition and how it applies to being a prepper. So as always, have a great week. Enjoy the apocalypse. Talk to you later. Love y'all. There's no way home. There's nothing to fight for. There's no more honor. Come to think of it, the only honorable thing to do is quiet. 
you think the people of this country exist to provide you with position? I think your position exists to provide those people with freedom.